0: How are you guys doing? Welcome over to the channel. If you guys are new, please do me a favor and hit that subscribe button. If you guys want to get notified every single time a video is live, hit that bell because we post one every single day on the Ukrainian conflict. So this map you guys are seeing, it's now being pulled up on the screen. I want to give you guys a quick little overview. I guess you'd say, of what actually goes on. Red is Russian, blue is Ukrainian. Pretty pretty common there. You guys will see a lot of markings. You guys will see stuff like these little blue triangles. That is going to be your heavily defortified areas, either blue or red, Russian or Ukrainian. And the red dotted lines and or blue dotted lines are going to be kind of the front line of the enemy and or Ukrainian or however you want to put it, Ukrainian-Russian forces. However which way you're looking at this, that's pretty much it. So there is your overview of the map. Black outline, you guys are going to see. This is going to be the Russian border. And there's also a route you'll see me draw every once in a while. So there's your overview on the map on how it is laid out. So we're going to start off with a little bit of news pieces like you guys like. You guys told me you guys like this. So this clip you're about to see is somewhat disturbing. It's actually coming from a Russian state-owned network. We've seen a few of these so far, but this is kind of crazy. This is being pushed out all over Russia. I'm going to go ahead and play this clip. So if you are listening to podcasts on Spotify or Apple or whatnot, just, just bear with me. It's going to be in Russian. I'm not going to play the entire thing. I'll give you guys the cliff notes. So here is that clip for you. В Европе, в Европе, надо передать простую вещь, вы получите ядерный удар по территории Европы, в, феврале. в случае, если вы соберетесь там с какой-нибудь миротворческий контингент НАТО создать, в случае, если вы соберетесь его куда-то там вводить и прочее, прочее, да, это будет ядерная война. А да. это было и сказано, французским. Это будет ядерная война, вы должны это понимать. Значит, храбрые поляки, от вашей Варшавы не останется за полсекунды ничего. So this is going to be exactly what the guy had said. This is not Cliff Notes' This is verbatim. So to Europe, there is a simple thing we need to tell all of Europe. And this is going to be a nuclear war. Brave Poles, there will be nothing left of your Warsaw in 30 seconds. Then they don't realize that we can, in fact, that we can handle them way faster than when we've started in Ukraine. If we said this kind of stuff in America, it would be <laughs> it would be crazy. These guys are on the public news or like news or whatever station you want to call it, and they're talking about nuclear war with these countries and that they can actually wipe Warsaw off the face of the earth in within 30 seconds. What? That is, is that not kind of crazy? They're like over the last two days, we've seen more and more stuff come out that Russia is wanting to actually utilize nukes and move these nukes into Belarus and all this other stuff. And this is all they're talking about. I know that they're trying to boaster and seem big and strong because they're getting their teeth kicked in right now inside of Ukraine. But talking about nuclear war, nobody wins in, in that kind of deal. No one. No one wins in that. I, I, I don't know. Anyway, the flood that we spoke about the other day, we spoke about multiple times. We had somebody that commented that we were making it up and it wasn't real. It was kind of goofy, but the flood we spoke about just north of Kiev has continued to grow larger, which is super surprising. You know, Mother Earth, they, they it kind of finds a path of least resistance and it just keeps going. Water, crazy, I know. So the photo that you're seeing on the left is from February 28th, and the one on the right is actually from today. These are satellite imagery of this 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 waterway that the dam was broken. I know I've seen some reports that said the Russians did it, and then I've seen some that said the Ukrainians did it. No one really knows who's done it. No one. It doesn't really matter. It's flooded. Okay, you can also note that in each uh, roadway that actually you see on the, the right photo, you can you can notice that every single bridge that's going across is actually taken out, and so that's making it very impossible for the Russians to actually move into that northwestern side of Kiev. It's making it come somewhat impossible to move their vehicles. If those bridges were taken out and that water wasn't there, they can actually go around it and just you know get up on the road. But now that it's all swampy and muddy. They, they literally can't move inside of this one area. So either way, if the Russians did it, probably wasn't the smartest. If the Ukrainians did it, well, it's somewhat, it kind of has worked out pretty well. And I actually have some, some drone footage that's coming out of motion, which is just north of that, which is the north, north, most northwestern side of Kyiv that the Ukrainians currently hold. And you can actually see the flooding inside this drone footage. It's a very short clip, so here's that. So I told everybody who watches and listens to this podcast about a month ago when this conflict started, you guys need to watch out for the implementation of IEDs. They're going to be happening inside of this war at some point. And now we have confirmation. And this photo you're seeing, if you're not seeing it because you're listening, but there's 252 millimeter artillery shells that are wrapped with TNT. So you guys are seeing this right now, strapped together. They're actually been known and it's been noted that they're actually being built to avoid civilian casualties. Now, the way that they're doing this is it's got to be more likely, depends on the Russians' capabilities inside of this area that they're working with. They're either going to be pressure plates or they're going to be remote detonated. Now, I unfortunately know quite a bit about IEDs. I had to deal with them a ton in Iraq and even more so in Afghanistan. I like quite a bit, actually. We ran over a pressure plate. A few separate times. I've never had one that I know of remote detonated, mainly because we had jammers. So if the Russians are using jammers, they won't have to worry about remote detonation as much. But those things are only they're only good for a certain period around the vehicle, like a like imagine like a ma- an invisible bubble. And they're also good for only certain type of frequencies. So if they are making them, that is the Ukrainians, if they're making them to actually avoid civilian casualties, they're probably making them with pressure plates or Remote detonated as in they're actually connected to it and they see, they visually see the target coming and then they hit the switch and then it goes off. That's command detonated, excuse me, not remoted. But with that being said, the way that they would make the pressure plates in lamest terms, making it to where a vehicle of a certain amount of weight, when it dries over it, it connects. So you have two pieces of metal like this, something in in, an insulator in the middle and one that's pushed down. Those two pieces of metal connect, creating a circuit, sending off the charge. Now, if they're making them like that, they're making it to where a heavier vehicle can only set it off. So if a normal car runs over it, it's not going to set it off or a bike or something like that. You know what I mean? Not like a normal landmine. So if they're doing it like that, that is one way. But if they're doing it command detonated, they're actually seeing the convoy roll through. They hit the switch. They hit the button, whatever it is, sends a signal down, sets off the charge. That's another way they're doing it. Anyway, there you go. I told you guys it was going to happen and now it's happening. The Ukrainians are starting to utilize this and it's going to be an extremely effective way to instill fear on the Russians inside these certain convoys inside that northeast side, which we talked about. I'll show you guys on the map. There's routes that come in like this. We're going to see this implementation a ton on these two black routes. I probably should just put them in there, but it's, it's ever so changing. But these two main routes, they've been being hit tons over the last week or so. The Russians have tried to bring in reinforcements to actually secure these routes. But if they're starting to place IEDs on there, that's going to be super difficult. I mean, it took us years to learn about IEDs in America, and we're pretty proficient at them. And, um, and we still take or took a ton of casualties. Now, this area over here on the northeastern side of Kyiv, this whole Russian force is still cut off because there's no main route coming through right here. So they really can't get reinforcements to there. There's your update on the northeast side. We're actually going to be talking more on the northwest side of Kyiv here later on, which I'll go ahead and pull up that map for you guys right now. So this is the map that we're going to be. Discussing today, there's quite a bit going on inside of this area in the Hostomil, Bucha, and Irpin area. Like, this is one of the main areas we spoke about yesterday, but it's actually now, it actually is happening. I just wanted to make sure it actually was happening. So the image you're actually seeing right now is of the Russian embassy that's actually in Warsaw. Now, we saw the same thing actually happening in Kiev on the 24th, right before the invasion of Ukraine actually happened. But now we're seeing... It looks like they could be doing the same thing they were doing in Kiev. I'm just gonna throw this one out there. It looks like the Russian diplomats are actually burning the documents inside of Warsaw, which I don't know if that to be the case. I also know that the Polish government has actually asked the Russian diplomats to leave the country, so they could be doing it for that reason. But who knows? I don't think they're going to invade Poland anytime soon. I could be wrong, because that would be just that would literally trigger World War II. I don't think that's gonna happen. NATO is actually gonna be supplying Ukraine with nuclear and chemical protection against uh, well, against exactly what it is, <laughs> it's protection equipment. So NATO Secretary General said that alliance, alliances will actually agree to provide Ukraine with cybersecurity equipment and supplies to protect against chemical, biological, radiological, and nuclear threats. That was a mouthful. So pretty much everything from chemical, biological, radiological, and nuclear threats, they're going to give them the protective equipment to do so. Uh, this is, So the image you're seeing right now, by the way, is of a mobile electronic warfare system. It's called a russia Khrushchev. Anyway, this was captured by Ukraine a few days ago. I saw the image of this thing. No one knew it exactly what it was. To me, it looked like a comm center. It's Just imagine like a 20-foot container you would see on the back of a semi-truck. That's pretty much what it is. And they put it down, and they're giving it to the United States to actually dissect and break down, which is pretty smart, honestly. It's, it's Russia's most capable electronic warfare systems, and actually is going to be an intelligent gold mine. It really probably is. So now we're going to be able to reverse engineer their their most capable electronic warfare systems. So that's kind of a big deal, and props to the Ukrainian government for just shifting it over to Americans to pick it apart for them and kind of do something that we could probably do a little bit better and faster than they would. So so there's your news piece for the day. We're going to move over to the, the maps. So this is kind of a lot going on in the Irpin area. Like I told you guys, Irpin, Hostomel, bucha which is right here. Go ahead, just for everybody that's new. So right here, here, and here is Irpin. So those three little major areas. I say little areas, but those are pretty major so Russia has apparently started using white phosphorus bombs in the cities of Irpin and Hostelville. I haven't seen proof of this as of just yet. This is just hearsay. And I want to let you guys know I cannot confirm or deny the fact it's actually happening or is happening right now. I'm not saying it's not happening, but I'm not going to confirm it that it is. Not yet. That stuff, though, will blind you and burn through your skin. I have personally seen it burn through engine blocks and stuff like that. It is really bad. You don't want to breathe it in. It's terrible, but I will say it can be utilized for other things. So they can say they're using white phosphorus bombs when, in fact, they're using illumination rounds. Willie Pete, like that is one thing they can use. It's not against the rules to actually use that. Hell, we used it in Afghanistan all the time. We'd wake up at one in the morning, shoot a white phosphorus round off into the air to just wake up the Taliban and let them know that we're still watching them. They would do the same thing to us. They wouldn't shoot white phosphorus rounds. They would just randomly shoot at us. But we would shoot these things off at one, two, three in the morning. We would stagger it throughout the week to see if anybody was quote unquote coming up to our RAO, our little tiny little clot that we had, our camp, just to, just to see. Because this thing, these white phosphorus rounds, will turn the night into light instantly. Literally be pitch black. All of a sudden you'll see white daylight for like two to three to four minutes, depending on the hang time of the thing. The round shoots up, has a parachute come out basically and just hovers there and just, it's like a huge light. So that's what they could be utilizing. Now here on the map, you guys see this is an area we have talked about. And right now it's getting a little bit uh a little bit kind of iffy there for the Russians. There's there's a lot of things that are happening. So down here, as you guys do know, the Ukrainian forces did uh take back this area yesterday. It's been confirmed. All right, so they took that back. Now, they've actually done on more offensives. So now they've actually surrounded Russian troops inside of Hostomel and Bucha. So that is huge. I told you guys this yesterday. I actually stated this, and I remember saying this. One way they could do it, the Rus- or the Ukrainians, it is, is moving north along this route because it is all cleared white space and then coming west, which it looks like they have done. Also sending an element that they have down here because we know that they secure this area up and around, which they've been doing significantly. They've been hitting the rear elements of these Russian forces up north of here. Like they've been, they've been able to actually push through the lines, hit the rear element with an ambush, and then move out. That's pretty demoralizing. But Russian troops are currently surrounded inside of this blue area, so roughly about right here. They've been completely separated from their element and cut off from Buchan and Hostomil. So all the areas you guys see behind it, and you know I'm going to clean up this map just because I really want to show you guys why this is so important. So if you guys look through here, get rid of those little black lines for you guys. So if you guys look, if they cut off these reinforcements and the Ukrainian forces do end up somehow taking this area, which is a big deal because we know that the Russians started heavily Digging in about three days ago inside of this area to extend, like getting in supplies and actually refitting to actually make the other push. Now you guys see these routes coming in. These routes coming in are a huge deal. All right. All those would be supply routes into the northwest side of Kiev. If they lose the access to these routes, they're going to lose the northwestern side of Kiev as a whole. I know this sounds crazy to say. But it is something that could possibly happen, especially if they start and like keep doing the guerrilla warfare attack as they've been doing. And now, now they're implementing IEDs along these routes. That's a huge deal, even on the eastern side of the country. They haven't been able to get a free flow of logistical movement into the free, uh, the eastern side of this country. That is the Russians, that is, and the northeastern side. And now they may have a chance to lose the northwest side of the country. Oh, my God. That is huge. This is one of the biggest things that's happened during this entire conflict the last three or four weeks, I think, personally, when it comes to taking back ground. And all we've seen over the last three days is the Russians doing advancements in certain areas, key areas down there in Mykolaiv, now up here in Kyiv. They've lost some ground over there in Izium, then they took it back, and now it's pretty much it's a stalemate in that area. Go back up here to my bigger map. So over here, um, more on the northwest side, there's a town you guys can see right here. Now, the Russians actually tried to push through this area. It did not pan out too well. It did not pan out too well. They tried to push through the town of Tetrasvetsky today, but were unsuccessful on the attack, and it was repelled by the Ukrainian forces. Now, this is the same area which I've talked about. So we were just down here working in the urban Hostomel area. Now up here, we do know that Ukrainian forces in the last two days have actually done counterattacks and actually done some ambushes on the rear elements of the Russians back in this area. So if they're able, as you can see right through here, there's another main route. This main route goes up in. That's one of the main supply routes. And this is the same area I was talking about. These are the main routes that connect. So those little spidey arms, I guess you would say, those those dark black lines, those are the main routes that supplies get into this northwest side. And if they keep coming in and they keep doing ambushes on these routes and actually clear some white space and actually get onto these routes, the Russians are going to be completely cut off. Imagine if they cut off this area, and somehow the Ukrainians cut off this whole area right here from the Russians. There's absolutely no way they're going to be able to get supplies to any of the men that are down here on the northwestern side. So this is something we need to look forward to to over the next 24 to 48 hours to a week. I don't know how long it's going to happen. I don't know if it's going to happen, but if I was going to guesstimate, this is pretty much the idea the Ukrainians are actually going with as of right now. So we're going to go up here to Chernivy. Russian troops up and around Chernivy have actually been more active when it comes to setting up ambushes and assaults on Ukrainian positions over the last 48 hours. We've seen multiple up here. For the last week, two weeks, they have not done a single thing but this shell, the city. I've showed you guys a lot of aerial images, satellite images of actual artillery units on the ground there. But these images you're currently seeing are from a successful attack. And it doesn't look like it was actually a moving convoy. To me, it actually looks like just supplies sitting in the woods. I I don't know exactly, but I'm pretty positive it wasn't a moving convoy. This looks to be more of a static position, not because it wasn't on a, an actual road. It was more or less in the woods. So I think it was just a static positioned uh, of a few trucks. But nonetheless, they did actually do that up there near Chernihiv. That's one of the more significant things that have happened other than the constant shelling that happens to the city. So we're over here on the eastern side. I just kind of slid over. Kharkiv, no change. We know that the Russians have actually been kind of fortifying and just hanging out over here in Kupyansk. We know this is one of the areas they know, or we know, if you guys have been on this channel, they've been staging we know that over here in Belgorod, which I'm sure I've jacked that name up, but I do not care. It's inside of Russian territory where that square in X is. We know that they staged and moved troops in and out of there. So in Kharkiv, there hasn't been any change over the last 24 hours. So as we do know, Izium over the last 24 hours has really been heavily contested by the Russians and the Ukrainians. We know the northern side of Izium is controlled by the Russian forces. They haven't been able to push through. Ukrainians have thought that they were going to move around and try to find a different route around the city, but we know that's actually not the case because I found some Russian stuff Yesterday, states are going to try to find a way in. So, Rubizine, which is just north right here, that is almost controlled by the Russians. And I do know that they're trying to take over Severe Nadesk over the next 24 to 48 hours. That is, that is their key area inside of this, this region. They need to take this area. Now, I'm saying this because this will actually give them the ability to kind of take a, a, a situational pause, regroup, and then push towards Izium. Izium is pretty much one of their main goals because the route that it's on is pretty crucial. It's on that main river. They need it. It's it's close to, you guys see all these main routes that come in, supply routes. But the main problem that they have is the fact that all the bridges are blown out. So they really just need to push through. And right now with the, the south side of Izium being controlled by the Ukrainians, they won't be able to push east to west out of severe. They won't be able to go this way from Sevier-Nedez and go actually eastern, westernly from the east because they'll just be, well, they'll be hit by heavy resistance by the Ukrainians. So there's been no real change down inside of Mariupol itself. I will tell you guys, I have some updated aerial footage I'm going to show you. I'm going to share with you guys right now. I just want you guys to have an understanding of what the destruction currently looks like in this area. And also, you know what's kind of crazy? I have some, so I showed you guys some aerial footage. It looks terrible because it is, but I have some ground footage uh, of, of some of the damage as well, which I'll show you guys right now. And there's been an unconfirmed report that's stating that Russians are actually giving a last ultimatum to the Azaz regiment there in Mariupol to give up and uh, actually surrender and they have until midnight to do so. I don't believe that's going to happen. I'm sure that's not going to be a thing. They're not going to make it this like to me this this is like Ukraine's Alamo. Is the best way for me to put it. I don't I don't believe they're going to put down their arms. I think the rest of the country is going to feed off this energy and it's it's going to help them quite a bit. And I also believe with the Russians giving them two ultimatums in the last 48 hours shows that they really don't want to enter this city and take even more casualties and lose even more equipment. So they're trying to get them to quit. So here is Mikulav. We just scrolled over to the west. So the video you're about to see is coming out of Mikulav. It's fairly big win. I will say it's a fairly big win for the Ukrainians down in this area. They were able to actually secure a Brem one armored recovery vehicle and an IMR-2 engineering vehicle. This is a big deal, mainly for the reason that it's sub- somewhat a substantial loss on the Russian side of the fact that they need these type of vehicles in their operations around the river. building the bridges to actually get across so we know that they've been trying to get across this bug river right here they've been trying to and without these type of recovery vehicles if they get stuck they're going to lose that vehicle if they they try to build a pontoon bridge they need this this main uh imr2 engineering vehicle to actually build it if you think about it that is a substantial loss i don't know how many of these they have just laying around so that's it's kind of a big deal and so here's that video And today, Russians actually launched a supersonic missile that was actually directed towards Odessa. I have the launch video for you guys, which I'll, you know what, I'll go ahead and show you that right now. So the launch of these rockets has actually been geolocated. And the image you are seeing is is actually of the prepared location in the satellite imagery of the launch site. So that's exactly where that's at. And I have a pin of the exact location for you guys. So you guys see it's down here in the uh, western side of Crimea. And now you guys have more of an understanding exactly why they want to utilize this country when they took it back in 2014 or this chunk of the country. For one, they had they wanted to complete the land bridge to go all the way into Russia to get supplies in and whatnot. With that being said, they also set up sites like this so they can actually launch these hypersonic missiles into Ukraine without any without any issues. So there's that. We found some more stuff for you guys. I hope you guys are having a fantastic day. If you guys are new, like I said, please do me a favor, and subscribe. You guys listen to on Spotify and whatnot. Hope you guys have a fantastic day. I will see you guys tomorrow with another update. I do love you guys. I will see you later.